This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly starting right now, bringing emergency managers from around the world together to learn, share, and collaborate. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this, uh, this great land. And, uh, I, I want to bring, uh, bring Dan in here before we uh, get started with the conversation. Uh, Dan. Hey, good morning. Hey, bud, how's it going? Uh, it's going, man. Multitasking as the EM does. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, one, one of the things that uh, I just want to kind of bring up right now is we're looking at the recovery um, process going on over with the uh, hurricanes or hurricanes with the tornadoes that occurred. Tornadoes, yeah. um, I know that we're looking at possibly more tornadoes coming, which is going to be the first time they've had tornadoes in the month of um, of December, that's which they're saying, which is kind of kind of interesting. Well, no, they do. I mean, ultimately, I don't want to. I don't want to put a false statement out there. It is they do get them every once in a while, but they're getting the getting some of the worst they've had in December. Right. Um, so they can. I'm actually, I'm actually nervous because I'm going back there. Uh, to start. I'm driving back there tomorrow. I'll be back in Oklahoma and Missouri uh, for the next two weeks for the holidays, and uh, so I'm, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen when I get back there. And uh, uh, but I'm luckily, luckily, you know, I have some some training in the matter. But yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. I mean, I'm watching all the the news and the follow up and the and the articles that are coming out, we're going to be in the months and multi-million dollars of recovery. Uh, this is going to take years. Yeah. Yeah, and it's sad. I mean, you know, especially with the you know, the, the death rate that happened with this particular, uh, you know, cell that came through. And and uh, just people at, at the beginning really weren't taken too seriously in, until, until things became serious. Um, right now, we have... Uh, bunch of volunteers are needed to come out there uh and I, they're, they're asking for it and as emergency managers we know that we should not have people uh self-dispatching so if you guys have time during this holiday season to go there please look at your american red cross team rubicon um very other organizations that are looking uh, for volunteers uh, they do need help um and uh, if you can't make it there i, I do recommend that you donate uh, money to the organizations that you believe in uh, and, and check them out. Um, uh, you know, we're going to be doing some of this stuff as well. And uh, we're looking at working to uh, uh, to put some care packages together as well on my, on my end uh, to send out uh, with, with people, especially with the children uh, during this Christmas time. So for everybody that can, can do so, please, uh, please take the time to do so because they really uh, do need help. Uh, so, well, we're not here to talk about that necessarily. Uh, we're talking about incident management teams, which is <laughs> which they're going to be using over there, but also um, why law enforcement hasn't embraced it and why they are now. And we have uh, Jeff, who is from El Segundo Police Department, Jeff Lehman, and he was a skeptic when it came to using incident management teams, and now he is a proponent of them. So, Jeff, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? How are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So, law enforcement and incident management teams—they never really, or even ICS for that matter—really didn't get along for very many uh, for many years. But it seems like slowly but surely we're moving tradition away from uh, the single re resource to really embrace the concept of incident management teams and incident command system. Why did it take so long, Jeff? I, I think the main reason is we, we deal with 
smaller incidents, but we deal with a lot of smaller incidents. When I originally was thinking of incident management teams and ICS and all that, I was thinking of being from California, forest fires or incidents like what's going on in Kentucky. And, uh, you know, from a law enforcement perspective, you know, we're not really part of the protracted incident. You know, I know that there are deputies and, and officers come down to Kentucky to help out and everything, but but really it's more like a fire incident management FEMA type of situation. And, um, you know, we're already busy with other things, right? We're having constant investigations and then we're getting critical incidents, but they're small time stuff. And, um, and now you're pulling me out of my assignment for a week to go to an ICS class. And I don't have time, you know, cause I got, you know, when I went to ICS classes, I was in the traffic division and I got fatal accidents. We need to investigate. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's the main reason why is it's kind of like, we don't really have time. So your journey from being, you know, Hey, I don't want to be in this class. I'm being voluntold to be here. Yeah. You know, I'm here because my chief is making me. I, I love those. I, I when I ask those questions when I teach ICS courses, like, hey, why are you here? And everybody's like, because I'm told to be here. No one ever like really volunteered to come to this course. Uh, you went from that guy to somebody who's um, really embracing incident management teams. How did you make that leap? So uh, we have Dr. Randy Collins uh, as our emergency manager in the city. And uh, he's great. He takes it very seriously. So he landed here. We, we kind of figured out who he was. And um, he immediately hit the ground with, let's do some training. Let's get all the city involved. And, you know, half of me was like, hey, who's this guy? You know, I don't really have time for this. And the other half of me was like, hey, I like what he's doing, though. Um, you know, you have to appreciate a guy that takes his job really seriously, no matter what his job is. So at some point he decided that he was going to try to put all of us through ICS and kind of get the incident management team uh, model going in our city. And we were, uh, I, I, I think he went to my chief at the time and he said, somebody said, hey, I need uh, two incident managers and uh, incident commanders and two deputy incident commanders and a couple other people. And we're going to put everybody through all this ICS stuff. And so I ended up being assigned deputy incident commander. And I went through all of the, the week long trainings that he sent us to. And uh, it, it was it was fun, actually, I really enjoyed it. And then he started doing the, um, the tabletops. And so it was like, okay, uh, we need to have an incident commander from the police department, the tabletop. Well, you know, I'm the lowest ranking guy out of the two deputy incident, the incident commanders and deputy incident commanders lowest rank and lowest time on. So the other guys were like, I'm not going, you're going. So <laughs> trained as a deputy incident commander, I was going to all Randy's tabletops as the incident commander and uh, frustrated, right? I'm like, hey guys, this, you know, this wasn't even really my thing, but um, but I liked it. Like all tabletops, you're nervous when you start them you don't want to have egg on your face. And then you come out and you're like, I think I can handle that, you know? So that, that's, that's how I got into, that's how I bought into it. I actually, after his tabletops, I'm like, yeah, I actually like what this guy is doing. I mean, this is really helpful. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, they are helpful. And, and I think that's the other thing too, is I think a lot of people are resistant to it for the fact that they don't want to make mistakes and uh, uh, you know, look, look bad, I guess, but uh, you know, we're all, we're all going to go through that learning process together. And I think that's the most important part about doing the tabletops. And so if you embrace them, and as I tell people all the time, don't fight the scenario. Uh, I think at the end of the day, you learn and, and, you, and you have fun with it. So, you know, we talked about the the, the idea of the non-protracted events, and we're starting to see more 
<clears throat> of those that are longer, like say for instance, uh, the civil unrest uh, that we had uh, last, was it last year? Is it year? Time flies, 2020, right? The civil unrest of 2020, um, things like this, the the issues that are happening, the, the Boston bombing that we talked about before, uh, those issues. Do you see law enforcement to, to be able to work in those um, incident command uh, and incident management team systems because we're seeing more of those? Or is it is it still, hey, we can handle it internally um, because we're like, say, a large department like New York City or, or Los Angeles? But um, what do you think of that? Is it is it, is it size city? And we're going to talk about the size of your city here in a second. But is that what it is? It's like how that works? Or what do you think? I think uh, more you know protracted incidents are happening. You know, I, I started in law enforcement in 1990, you know, and then you get like a 9-11 type incident. Uh, you get the Boston bombing type incident. I, I mean, I'm sure there was protracted incidents before, but, you know, we started to change, you know, the Columbine, the school shooters and stuff. And we need a better model than just show up and figure it out. And so we, we were kind of forced into it. I, th I think that's really uh, where it came from. It was out of necessity, really. I can tell you, though, once you get plugged into it, it's it's great. I mean, it's, it works, right? Because it's it's telling you where to deploy your resources and how to deploy them. And it's there's a plan for replacing them and contingency plans and for injects and everything. And um, I wouldn't know, I honestly wouldn't know how to successfully handle a really protracted critical incident without an incident management team at this point. It could be really messy. Absolutely. So I see ICS is, you know, and, and as you've mentioned, it's one of the most basic uh, foundations of emergency management and working a, a large scale event, even a small scale event for that matter. But what I found with with the law enforcement and and you touched on it a little bit and I want to touch on it as well with the it's a, it's a mindset. And when I fought, when I and I've, I teach ICS and when I when I come across the law enforcement, it's a uh, it's a lot easier to get buy in and a change in mindset when you refer to. Uh, the incident command system as command and control. Why do you feel that um, ICS or how, let me ask this, let me reframe it real quick because I, I, I can go into opinionation. How do we embra um, embrace ICS in such a way that we can change the mindset of law enforcement and in coming into ICS and thinking differently about what it is? Well, I mean, I, I think it's what Randy did. Uh, he, he got buy-in from city leadership and we were forced to do it. We didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. Um, you know, I, just like Todd was saying the whole time, I'm like, I got other things to do. All of us were like, but we got there and then we were doing these, again, again especially at the ICS class, these uncomfortable tabletops where you're screwing up and you're like, hey, people, I'm, I'm being exposed for my weaknesses here, you know? And, uh, but you come out better, you come out believing in it. So yeah, you know, police, policemen, we, you know, policemen, we just do not like change. I'm as guilty as anybody. I mean, I got it figured out. You know, if I don't have it figured out, I'll figure it out. But um, I think I think for, you know, um, uh, for uh, emergency managers in their city, I, I really think it's important for them to get a hold of their police chief and say, we need to be doing things together. And I'm not talking about two two hour things. I'm talking about one week things mm. and uh, and finding the right people. Right. You got to find influential people. You got to find people within the department that not only will go and buy into it, but then they can convince other people this is a good thing too. You don't want to send a police lieutenant over there that comes back and just, you know, goes back to work and doesn't say anything. You know, I working with Randy and, you know, I came back and I'm like, hey, you know, ch change my opinion of him and what he was trying to do. And so, long answer, but I, I think I answered your question. No, it's a great, it's a great answer. And uh, that's, and that's the, the way Dr. Collins did it. 
uh, is is uh, uh, the way it should be done is by seeking engagement and seeking con uh, con the the consistency of engagement uh, in doing so. But now that you've embraced ICS, uh, in, do you believe that the size of the jurisdiction um, determines the outcome of ICS and how it's used? You think it's harder to um, to utilize an uh, IMT in a small jurisdiction? It, it, I think it definitely would be. You know, you you watch like LAPD or LA Sheriff and when they have an incident, whether even it's a, you know, kind of a homicide that makes the news something going on on Hollywood Boulevard or something. I mean, they're, they're large and in charge. They show up and they got their rigs there and they got PIOs and they have everything going on. Smaller cities, you know, we've got one or two PIOs and we've got one or two trained incident commanders. Now in our case here in El Segundo, here in the South Bay, we're a group of small cities that work very closely together. Manhattan Beach, Gardena, Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, Torrance PD, Hawthorne PD, Inglewood PD, we work really close together. And so we've learned to lean on each other and, and we use mutual aid a lot. So I guess to answer the question in a smaller city like mine, it really requires getting the cities around you on board to work together on these things. But, you know, it can get done. There's talent everywhere all over the South Bay. We just have different patches on our uniforms. How hard is it to, to really coordinate between all those different cities and get the buy-in from each jurisdiction? Well, it's not so hard for us because, like I said, we really do rely on on each other. Uh, you know, recently one of our neighboring cities had an active shooter at a at a pier, and everybody showed up. It's just we just expect it. We had a couple officers get shot uh, 10, 12 years ago, and everybody showed up. We just know everybody. We know who's going to show up. We know they're going to help us. We we were used to working with them. So I might be different for other agencies. I mean, I heard you know that there are some departments that work next door together that don't have a relationship. And that would obviously be a huge problem, but we, we don't have that problem here in the South Bay. Yeah, I, I, I tend to see that that smaller jurisdictions end up working together. The same, that was my experience when I was on the West County uh, in, in Orange County where all the small jurisdictions work together. Matter of fact, we had, we had a combined SWAT team too. And, and so a lot of the a lot of the officers knew each other through through those trainings and whatnot. So yeah. it does make it's important to, to do to train across jurisdiction lines. Tim Ricker says, so much buy-in in the use of ICS, IMTs, and other related incident management practices comes from the exposure and use. Uh, really happy to hear about this experience. So that's a that's a good thing. And that's absolutely true. Uh, now, now that now that you're in on the management side of things, right? You're you're no longer just a, a street cop, right? Um, do you see that you can use your influence to to bring on the guys that are used to being on their own, handling an incident on their own? short incidences but to bring them into the idea that they need to be working together as a team are, are is someone like you really important to to bring the rest of the department up to speed as far as incident management goes yeah because i'm an old dog you know when you know i've had those experiences where you feel like this is a little too much for me and you and then you rely on other people and you know like oh yeah we're, we're doing this together but in your mind you're kind of like this guy's going to keep me out of trouble and help me help me look good or whatever so, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't really know if that answered your question, but no, 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 it does. It does because I think one of the things that, you know, there's the joke it's, it was said for the fire service and there was a sign in New York city fire department. I forgot what the, what the years are now, but it was like, you know, 
200 years of tradition, you know, not ruined by progress, you know, something like that. So we, we get into these traditional roles and say, this is where we always done it. Right. And to bring in new ideas into that, uh, in, into those roles sometimes uh, is, is hard. And there's a lot of, a lot of friction there because people are like, well, we've never done it that way. And we've always, you know, we've, you know, think about the old guys that never wanted to move from the revolver to the semi-automatic pistol, you know, the, that type of idea. And that we tend to be this way in public safety of, of it, you know, we drag people into the next century instead of having people run with you. Um, and I think it's important to have leaders like yourself that understand emergency management and uh, instant command systems to be able to bring the younger people um, along with that. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think is it Gordon Graham that said predictable is preventable. Uh, if you follow that that uh, quote, that theory, um, then emergency management and, and incident management teams are like a natural thing. You should be doing it. It's kind of like an insurance policy. Going back to our team, what Randy was doing, it's like oh god, email another uh, another tabletop, right? And then all of a sudden we have a pandemic, and you know, I mean, this team was up and running mid March or I think it was April. I mean, two weeks after really things kicked off, the team was up and running and other cities were calling us immediately, coming in, seeing what we were doing. And that was all because of preparation. That was all because we had someone in our city that was predicting, hey, these type of things can happen. Maybe it's a tornado in Kentucky or a hurricane in Florida, or maybe it's an earthquake in California. Who would have thought it was a pandemic? But regardless of what it was, you put the same group of people, guys and girls together in that room and I felt like we could have handled it. So yeah, it's, it's really, it's, it's an insurance policy is what it is. I mean. For me, as a police manager, I'm always trying to see what's going on outside of my department in society and ask myself, how are we prepared to handle that? Because, you know, we have a duty to our community, right? right? How are we prepared to take care of our community and our officers and make sure that everybody's safe? And, and we do that by anticipating the worst possible things could happen. And what are we going to do about it? Um, yeah. And, and, and like I said, it goes back to, you know, we had a guy that pretty much forced us to do it. But I mean, I'm a total believer now because, because of the pandemic and, and we're rolling into the Super Bowl now. Right. I was going to ask rolling into the Super Bowl now. So, well, hey, let's go. Let's take a quick break. and we come back, I want to talk a little bit about Super Bowl coordination and, and, and what it's like to work on a, a large planned event like that. Hey, everybody. Hey, after this episode today, um, we actually have Disaster Tech. We're doing a webinar with them. You can find a link um, and sign up to, to come on and look and see because we're talking about training and education and instant command stuff. They have a program called Voltron, which is super exciting. I'm, I'm kind of nerding out about this. And, and uh, Dan, both of us, we got to go see the Voltron in action. Uh, we're both uh, big fans of it. And I'm looking forward to being able to see this um, in action again um, in the demonstration that they're going to be doing here at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, please uh, take a look in the in the show notes or on LinkedIn and uh, find that link and sign up and, and come with us here at 10 a.m. to see Voltron in action. All right, let's bring everybody back into the into the show. Dan, you ready for Voltron? Oh man, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to take part in it. Jeff, you need to come on this thing. This it's a new software that they that they have um, that does all the incident training that you want to have. It's a it's a gamification of incident command training um, and other training for that too, with built-in injects and everything that you could just like type in that you want to have injects on this and it fills it all up for you. So it's kind of a neat. Sounds program. good. Absolutely. So all right, Super Bowl. Super Bowl is coming your way. 
uh, you guys are going to have, you know, thousands and thousands of people showing up and all the other instances that all the outside parties that occurred that with the Super Bowl. Um, I was here in Orange County when we had the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I have a little bit of information into what it is to, to be part of that planning process for a large event. Nothing like a Super Bowl, though. What are you guys going through right now for the planning process for that? So the Super Bowl's in Inglewood, which is one of those small cities that I talked about. They get a lot of assistance from L.A. Sheriff, but it's affecting all of us um, because we are really right next door to Inglewood. I think we're about a mile from one border to one of their borders, and we have a lot of hotels here in this town. We're, we are directly south of LAX, and we have many, many hotels and thousands of hotel rooms here, and so we're expecting full rooms. We're expecting parties. Uh we, we uh, contacted Tampa Bay Police Department early on and got an idea that hey, it's not just like a three day event. You know, it's not just a bunch of breaking up parties. It's a lot more to that. And and then one of our hotel managers here in town, she reached out to us just for one. We meet with our hotel managers regularly. And she had been through uh, a Super Bowl, I think, in Arizona working for her same hotel chain. And she said, you guys have got to be prepared for 10 or 12 days of this. It's just it's it's a lot. And um so one of our neighboring cities has uh, one of the football teams staying in a hotel. It's about 100 yards outside of my city. I think both teams are practicing or no, that same team is practicing at our, one of our local community colleges. So, you know, even though the event is being held probably five or six miles from here, we have a lot of involvement. So, again, it goes back to predictable is preventable. We're not just going to sit and wait to see what happens. We're going to we're going to meet together with all the agencies, the agencies that have a team practicing in their town, the agency that has a team staying in their town, and figure out how together, instead of working as five or six separate small police departments, kind of being one large police department to handle this event. What I find interesting about the significant events, right? You have it for we have it for the Rose Bowl parade out here. I was in Pasadena. Um, whenever we have um, the bigger games and stuff like this that happen out this way, um, you know, they bring in um, the ATF, FBI, every, every, every alphabet soup that you can think of uh, coming from the federal government as well. And you have to really, you have to get them to be working within that team. <clears throat> What's the integration been like for, for you guys to work with uh, the other agencies like that that don't normally work with you? Well, there's been meetings, but so uh, Inglewood's hosting, and I think Inglewood has been hosting meetings with those federal agencies and with the sheriff's department. Um, our group, we're more concerned about what's not happening at the stadium as much as what's happening kind of before the game, days before the game, days after the game. Um, we have a pretty good relationship with federal agencies anyway. We have uh, several federal agencies that have offices in town. And actually, one of the ones we work closest with is federal air marshals. And uh, it just they're just they work really well with law enforcement here in this town. So we're kind of in the loop on what's going on. We know how many of them are going to be in town and how many of them and where they're from and where they're staying and all that kind of stuff. So um, that that is so far the extent for us is just really handling our cities and what's going on in our cities. And that's why it's critical to have the uh, the ICS incident management team training, because uh, uh, you know how you fit into that, uh, that be that cog in the machine for sure, right? Yep. So, what advice would you say to any police department that's out there that is really kind of still kind of pushing back against using incident command system? Don't wait. I mean, talk to again. I hate to bring it up. My wife's from Kentucky, and we're praying for all those folks in Kentucky. Her entire family lives there, 
Um, but, you know, talk to someone from uh, Mayfield Police Department six months from now. Talk to someone from Boston Police Department. Talk to people from Aurora, uh, these people that have had these big incidents, and ask them if they, if they regretted just sort of handling things from the hip, right? We'll figure it out when we get there because, um, you know, it works till it doesn't. And then when it doesn't work, you're, you're in a world of hurt. We're really good at handling murders, you know, critical incidents like that. Um, and we're pretty good. We, we really generally don't fail at those, but I don't want to be failing on the really big things. And so be ready. I mean, it's an, like I said, it's an insurance policy. It's the same reason you have homeowners insurance and car insurances. Maybe once every 10 years, someone's going to crash into your car, but man, when they do it, you're really glad you had it. And so our city uh, leaders were smart and they invested in the incident man. They invested first in an emergency manager for a small city. Uh, they found the right guy who didn't just sit in his office and surf the internet. They found a guy that made everybody who did or didn't want to do things, do things. And, um, and they invested in, when the pandemic hit, they invested in order to protect the employees, in order to protect the citizens. They invested in the all hazards incident management team and, and it paid off. So take it seriously. Don't wait, you know, don't wait. So let me ask this. So now that you're a proponent in, 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 of, of ICS, and this is a, this in general is something that a lot of people don't understand is that ICS is, it's a per, perishable skill. I mean, it's one that you use it or you lose it. And there is a certain level of, uh, in, in the ultimate of ICS is you don't have to have it very deep. It's not required, but it's heavily recommended that you have a lot of redundancy there. So now that you're a proponent of it and you guys are walking in the same direction, what, can, what advice would you give others to, to, to pull others in from their organization to help them walk in the same direction? Well, okay, first do it. First get a guy that's going to make them do it and do it and become proficient at it. And, you know, you could do tabletops. Tabletops are great, but, hey, there's needs all over the place. You know, uh, there's these, these SRTs. These, uh, th those, are, those are great ways. So you can take your team to – there's little cities. It's not just Mayfield, right? There's a bunch of little cities that are hurting out there too. And after hurricanes, there's a bunch of little cities that need help too. And, you know, you can send your SRTs over and, uh, and then you're getting the real world, world, real world practice. Both of you guys are emergency managers. So, you know, nothing, nothing takes place of the real deal when you can smell it and feel it and you, you see the, the pain that the people are in and you, you can't capture that in the tabletop. So, you know, Hey, look, if you're, if you're really going to do it and you really want to do it right, invest in it and send your people out to become more proficient at these things. You know, El Segundo Fire is a small fire department, but you know they go to big fires. They handle they handle critical incidents. They go to they go to forest fires. So they go to these these giant wildfires and stuff, and they become really good at those type of things because they're actually physically doing it. They're not just training; they're doing it. And I think we need to think cities need to think about doing that with their with their teams. Starting <laughs> to do that with their teams. So Mark Vogel, he he asked a question. Mark now Mark's a friend of ours. Um, he went to the executive academy with with, with Dan and I, and uh, he's a he was a law enforcement officer from New Jersey, uh, now retired. But he says once you have the buy-in from the leadership, um, how do you convince them to allow a continued education? That's a great question, Mark. How do you allow them to to how do you get them to be able to allow guys to go off for a week or two out of out of the rotation for just for training? Same conversations over and over. Now that I'm a police captain, and someone comes to me and says. Hey, what are we going to do if uh, if that happens to us? What's our plan? And it puts me on the spot, right? Um, I don't know. What are, what are we going to do? I mean, what, what are we going to do if a natural disaster hits El Segundo and destroys half our town? 
And, uh, you know, for me, uh, I, 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 I can tell you right now that there's a, there's a group of guys and girls that I can make one phone call and I can have them in my EOC in a matter of a couple hours. So I have that answer, but I think that's what it is. You got to put people on the spot. What's the plan? What are you going to do? Um, we trained two years ago. It's a perishable skill. People are forgetting and, uh, look around. There's things happening everywhere all the time. What's our plan? We have responsibility to our citizens, right? That's one thing I know for sure is that they're depending on us and the fire department to take care of them. And, and that's my duty. It's kind of like being a father or a husband in a way, right? You know, you're responsible for your family and what are you going to do if, and so, yeah, put them on the spot, put your leaders on the spot. I mean, in a respectful way, obviously, but Hey, see what's happening on TV right now. What are we going to do in a situation like that? And here, especially in LA County, by the way, I'll say this, when you get into a rural area, you can get a lot of help, right? I mean, you know, you're, you're sitting there, you look at what's going on in, uh, in in Southern Kentucky, and you got resources from Louisville, you got resources probably from Indy and Cincy and all those other cities. If something happens here in El Segundo, where am I going to get resources from? First of all, can they even get here? Right. For one, San Diego, they're two hours away. They're probably hurt by whatever hurt us. LA City's going to be busy. LA Sheriff's going to be busy. We're on our own. So we have to have a plan of our own. Yeah, and COVID has shown that you know, to, to be the case you know, nationwide, because we used to be able to rely upon people coming in from other places. Uh, if you have an event that's uh, impacting uh, the nation, like a COVID or something along those lines, you're not going to get the resources from even, you know, four or five hours away, such as uh, Vegas and or, or Phoenix, for instance, uh, it's, it's going to be a bit before any of those guys can, can make their way into the, into this area. So uh, we are on our own for, for quite a while. And I think, I think if you plan to be on your own, and when the additional resources come in, it's a it's a great to have, you know. But as long as you can you can handle that situation, at least for uh, you know, 24, 72 hours, maybe even 96, uh, maybe even a week now um, on your own, I think that's what, that's the idea that you have to have, especially for the jur smaller jurisdictions. I'm, I'm gonna let you uh, leave. We're gonna close up here um, here in a couple of seconds. But uh, any parting words for everybody? Yeah, uh, first of all, uh, thanks for taking the time and for all emergency managers on behalf of law enforcement, hats off to you. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, it's one of those things where when, I mean, who, who's on TV right now? You watch the Weather Channel every time it's going on, it's emergency managers. And so hats off to you because you're handling the real big stuff. And, uh, and when, when things are happening, you know, we all look to you for leadership. And uh, so thanks for that. I would like to send a shout out to the All Hazards Incident Management Team Association. Uh, they do great work. Um, so when you start getting people this buy-in, people in law enforcement, you direct them there, right? And that's where they start getting resources. They have a conference coming up uh, end of February, beginning of March. I think it's in Denver, Colorado. And hey, if you're listening and you're a city leader and you're thinking to yourself, uh, maybe maybe this guy is, you know, not crazy. Maybe this guy knows what he's talking about. Send them, send them to the conference and, and see, let them come back with some information. Send one guy. If you don't have an emergency manager, you know, find a guy that can kind of fill that role and at least get people trained and, and up and running and stuff like that. But hey, last thing I want to say is I appreciate all of you praying for those people in Kentucky. If you're from Kentucky and you're listening uh, prayers, like I said, half my family lives there. They're all up in the Louisville area, but um, those are uh, those are my wife's people. So um, we're we're thinking about you, and uh, and that's it. Have a have a merry Christmas, everybody. Yes, Jeff, you too, Jeff. And uh, you know, I'm I'm glad your your wife's family is safe, and definitely our prayers are, are with them. As thank as you, well. I appreciate yeah, that. Hold, hold off for one second, and we're gonna we're gonna wrap up, and we'll we'll come back right back. Right. Hey, everybody. Um, 
Dan, thank you again for, for spending time with us this morning. Um, you know, with the stuff that's going on over in Kentucky, again, please, if you can, if you can volunteer your time, please do. If you can't volunteer your time, please find out how you can support uh, some of the local volunteer, the, the, the volunteer organizations that are heading their way um, and how you can support the families uh, that are devastated by this uh, this disaster. And, and I mean, if you take a look at some of the, the images that are happening, uh, you can see that people are without homes. Um, it's a cold, it's cold out there. Um, there's other issues that are happening and if whatever we could do to support the the people of Kentucky and also um, Indiana and, and and Arkansas and Tennessee and those other areas that got hit as well. So it wasn't just that one location. Dan, anything else to say goodbye to? No, just, you know, I just second what you said and just know this is one of the most devastating tornadoes to hit, the long, one of the longest running on record, and it, it, it left a lot of people without. Absolutely. All right, everybody, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning. And I wish you a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas, and don't forget, stay safe and stay hydrated.